0: Welcome to Leadership, the Future, and Tea, featuring our special guests, hosted by Andy Davis and Ian Moffitt, a podcast for people who are passionate about making a difference at work. Welcome, everybody, to Leadership, the Future, and Tea. Today, I'm joined by our very special guest, Natalie Ellis, who's an expert HR here in the UK. Natalie, welcome. How are you doing?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Andy. How are you?
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Ian's on the line as well today
2: hey andy hey natalie real pleasure to have you on the show natalie
1: thank you for having me
2: oh
0: it's the it's delight and uh, natalie we've we've been speaking for probably a while over their twitter and linkedin and um and we met at uh, disrupt hr in nottingham didn't we about 18 months ago
1: we did yes at april 2019 i believe
0: yeah that's yeah. The, that's the one yeah <laughs> fantastic a great great event some lovely speakers and we raised some amazing money for charity so we, we had a great night out Um, Natalie, uh, I just want to introduce you to our listeners, okay? So bear with me two minutes and uh, save your blushes on this one because there's some great stuff in here. So for everybody listening, let me introduce Natalie. Natalie is a virtual HR consultant based in Northamptonshire, services clients throughout the UK. Having worked in senior HR positions within retail, transport, construction and financial industries, Natalie set up Rebox HR as an independent HR consultant. Congrats. In her spare time, she is a keynote speaker, a member of the Northamptonshire CIPD committee, an ambassador for the CIPD Steps Ahead program, and a multi-award nominated blogger, NatalieEllisHR.com. We're going to put that in the link for you in a minute. She has appeared in and written for several industry publications, including People Management, HR News, Personal Today, and featured in the CIPD, The Power of One campaign.
2: That's a real superstar, Natalie. Boom, CV, done. Tick that box. Excellent.
1: I've always been a believer that you roll your sleeves up and get involved with as as much as you possibly can because opportunities don't always present themselves to you. You've got to go out and find them. And one of the real turning points for me was getting involved with um, the Northamptonshire Committee at the CIPD. I met some amazing people and I wasn't particularly a confident HR practitioner. I'd had quite a few knocks early on in um, my HR career, and to the point where I actually wasn't sure if I was actually going to continue with it, which is a bizarre thought now. Um, So yes, um, being um, put through a company wind down at Woolworths in my very early on stages was quite a knock, because you think, well, what could I have done differently? What could I have done to help people more? What could I have done to impact the, the company more? And you feel this incredible sense of responsibility to the point where you it, it kind of eats away at you
2: um,
1: yeah. a bit so when I moved up to Northamptonshire and um, went into to more senior HR roles I found that I needed that support and guidance myself because we're often the last ones to look inwards and say well actually how do I develop this how do I move forward and when I met the team and they welcomed me onto the committee. I was able to understand my place really in terms of how I help people, how we assist on people's development. And when you're running those sorts of events, people will come forward to you and say, do you know, that's been a really useful event. Do you know, I really needed to hear that message. Yeah. And that's yeah. how we make a difference, by actively listening, supporting people and rolling up our sleeves and just getting involved. So yeah, no,
0: too true. And it's
1: like that, it's quite overwhelming.
0: <laughs> well, I, th- I think you, your reflections are superb. And I think also your, your comments there about the CIPD branch networks is really strong. And uh, I, I'm the same as you. I benefited massively out of uh, attending the, the CIPD branches. I, I think they're, they're a great um, institution. I think that people don't use them enough, Natalie. Um, that's my own reflection. When I look around the room, it seems to be the same people most times. Um, and uh, it needs to be more people so yeah um totally agree with you if people can reach out and uh find out where the local branch is and go down and take part i think that's both benefit for them and the others that are there because you learn from each other
1: a lot of people sit in um standalone hr Mm. and they often get so caught up in the day-to-day activity that they don't think oh okay so how how can i help myself because by the time they get home they're absolutely exhausted and you know you're just like oh I can't I can't get in the car and then go to an event and I mean with one thing that the current situation has presented is there's an opportunity for people to build their networks and their communities online and you know a lot of people are saying to me well I'm zoomed out and I'm like "Well, actually there's still a whole cluster of people out there that we're yet to meet and have these Really positive conversations, um, because some people may not have attended any at all. That's so right. So it's it's important to keep that momentum going. But I think everyone, um, you know, is really looking forward to getting back to meeting people, yeah. being able to shake hands, and have it. those
0: yeah. It's like <clears throat> it's like a lost art shaking hands now, isn't it? <clears throat> no. <laughs> but but uh, well, well, listen. Let's um. Listen, I, I love your thoughts already. I think it's fantastic. There's, there's takeaways there for people before we even get started, really. Um, Natalie, as we've uh, just been talking before we press record, we, we love talking about leadership on this uh, podcast and uh, HR, the future work and all sorts of things around that. And please, we're, we want to take your wisdom and, and spread it out, OK? But what I want you to do is just start to explain to people, um, who's your leadership role model and why? And we love asking this question. Yeah, this is a good one.
1: it it is a good one because there are so many um i have to say that i'm inspired by people like michelle moan Mm -hmm. um, baroness michelle moan i should call her now being you know giving her her full title um she started a company very much like i have um i had no savings behind me i don't have a wealthy husband or a mansion behind me just to give people reassure (laughs) us. I don't come from a wealthy family. I come from a very working class background um, and I think that I've always had those those skills. Um, So when we're talking about role models, I love to say that I've been really inspired by Michelle Obama and her journey purely because that she's got involved with so many different things and there isn't anything that she would necessarily say no to. Mm. So Is like, okay, well, I could work on this charity or I can support these people or do you know what, I know absolutely nothing about this subject, but I'm happy to get involved. And I think, you know, it's, it's quite easy for people who are in that sort of position to be in the shadows of their partner so of course but she stood very tall in her own right um Mm. but if i'm going to be absolutely brutally honest the people that got me where i am today are my family i'm constantly inspired by my family and um strangely enough the spice girls
0: Oh, okay that's awesome please explain (laughs)
1: I'm I'm from Generation Spice, shall we call it? Um, so the Spice Girls were at the height of their fame when I was quite young. We're quite e- the more I look into it, the more we're actually influenced in our young teenage years. And the mm. Spice Girls came out in '96. I was 12, I believe, at the time, and that kind of influenced. Well, actually, if they knocked on enough doors, because the amount of times they were told no. by record companies and people just wouldn't listen to them or take notice and they just thought that they were a bit of a quirky bunch of girls that were causing havoc for no reason but the sheer grit and determination to succeed and to keep knocking on those doors despite being told no hundreds of times they knocked on the right one which was Simon Fuller Amazing. and that's where it all started from so I'm very inspired by their journey as well and obviously I'm a huge fan so it's you know it just seems to fit with me so yeah,
0: that's brilliant that's brilliant that's I feel that there's, that there's so many jokes and segues I should use into the next question but I think I'm going to stop myself there because I've just come across as a as a grumpy old man um <laughs> So uh, let let me ask you this then instead, bearing in mind what you just talked about, that that perseverance that uh, the Spice girl showed and all sorts of other traits there. What are the three key traits that you really look for in leaders or that you see in the ones that you work with at the moment?
1: Um, So I think it's the ones that have got involved with their workforce and Lord Sugar actually made this statement on The Apprentice a few years ago and he said, if I see a sinking ship, I don't just sit there and watch my crew struggle I get in there with a nore and I paddle yeah. and that's pretty much how I like leaders to be because it can often be seen as you've got people in their ivory tower and they just reap the benefits of their position and that's often a misconception from workforces they don't understand that there's a lot of sleepless nights involved mm. there's a worries and a lot of stress that come with those positions. So someone who's very very authentic and very clear in what direction they want the company to go in. I think, if anything, COVID has thrown a huge spanner at these people. So they're not necessarily the leaders I'm working with aren't necessarily working in ways that they were before. So there were some that were very anti working from home, for example. Yeah. Now they've said, you know what, this is brilliant. I'm getting so much more productivity from my people. I'm being able to communicate with them on, you know, a grassroots level, which I've not been able to do before. So it's building trust within businesses. It's in improving their company cultures in in some cases I'm finding so there's so much that is positive that's coming from all this so I think mindset is a really big thing and it's very underestimated but when you think actually there must be a better way of doing this we're forced into this position where we have to trust our people we're forced into a position where people have to work from home and that we have to accommodate what this is throwing at us yeah so i find that people are actually working very very differently and it sounds quite cliche but but they really are and it's really inspiring to see and it's those people that are really going to drive the economy and their businesses forward and i'm fortunate to to work with those leaders
2: brilliant
0: wow well we, we look forward to hearing more about that uh, at some point i'm sure i'm sure and
2: that's go back to that and that's a great segue into um, you know a sort of follow on question from that so what what are some of those specific challenges that you're you're dealing with uh, with some of your clients right now the HRDs the CEOs what are the what are the sort of um, challenges that you're seeing that you're assisting them with
1: um, so some of them aren't re it's more about the business strategy rather than mm-hmm itself. So HR itself is is having to evolve to become a much more strategic function. It's traditionally known as a processing department. People join the business, people leave the business (laughs) and everything else in between. But you've now got this situation where there are certain business challenges that have been brought to the floor that HR traditionally wouldn't normally get involved in. So that's things such as know generating sales for example which it sounds quite interesting but um realistically businesses are now in a position where they're struggling to survive and with the some of them were very close to the mark anyway um but we're now in this position where you know we've got to constantly look at the bottom line we're constantly looking at it can we afford the wages this month can we you know afford to reward our employees if the company's doing very well So I'm finding at the moment there isn't really a middle group of companies that I work with. They're either on one side or they're on the other. Yeah. So I'm having to get involved in certain things, you know, such as supporting um, the future longevity of businesses. But in terms of not the traditional sense of developing their people, it's actually supporting and guiding and coaching leadership teams, because the first people they're looking to is HR and saying, how do we handle this because emotionally i'm struggling so you're finding that some leaders are actually coming to me and i'm having almost counseling sessions on a daily basis so it's 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 twofold it's definitely a business need but there's also the personal need for people yeah and yeah, then, that's been such that.
2: a theme for so, so long hasn't it that that hr has wanted to have a greater voice mm-hmm. in the strategy uh, you know and a voice around the boardroom table and this situation has because re- it's a very common th- theme we hear isn't it Andy now that that HR has got that absolutely central role with the CEO yeah. in 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 navigating the way forward right yeah too true Natalie <laughs> just,
0: just going to say that uh, we spoke to an amazing guy a couple of weeks ago uh, that we both know from um, uh, Australia a guy called Mark Samuel and uh, Mark's uh, the CEO of a global payroll company uh, payasia and he he commented about this exact talked about exactly what you were mentioning there and he said it, it's overwhelming mm-hmm. right and it's okay to be feeling overwhelmed right it's that's normal and yeah. don't shy away from it so um i think that that message hasn't got out enough quite frankly uh, i know that there's been campaigns recently about it's uh, it's okay not to be okay which is similar sort of vein but uh, i think we need to do more of that and i know that you've uh, you've championed a lot about uh, mental health as well haven't you
1: yeah, it's something I'm I'm very passionate about. So I've had people around me on a personal level that mm. have struggled with their, their mental health for, for many, many years. And, you know, I I myself, I've, you know, had those moments where I think, do you know what? What am I doing this for? And you, you feel like every day can be quite a struggle. But when it comes to people in leadership positions, it's very, very uncomfortable. And they feel that they're not in control they're used to being in control of everything that happens within that operation and within the space of two or three weeks all of that has just been completely Uh over yeah
0: yeah, agreed
1: like ah what do we do and they're, they're you know running around thinking right there must be a solution there must be a solution we have to accept that there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution. Traditionally, we'll go to the leadership books. We'll go to, you know, Google. (laughs) We'll go to (laughs) Wikipedia and research the heck out of stuff. But we've not, we we don't have a... We don't have a playbook, do we? No, there there, there isn't. There is no, I'm not saying that there isn't a way forward because I'm an optimist and I always believe there is a way forward. We're just searching for the way forward differently to what we were before. That's Uh, all it is.
2: And, I, I, you know, when you look at um, traditional times of crisis, right, the playbook is increase the amount of communication and try and do as much one-to-one or small team-to-one communication, ideally be more physically present. So, you know, this combination of factors has been a real challenge, real, mm. real challenge.
0: So going back to uh, what you were talking about, sort of HR having this sort of elevated position, very different position, including selling and all, all different angles of the business now, I want to just go back to one of your articles where you talked about um, how can we manage performance management during a global pandemic and what you talked about within there for those who haven't read it read it rather and will again put a link onto this and um, you talked about reviewing is performance appraisals actually appropriate at this point and I'd love to know if any of your customers have really taken that leap to move away from appraisals either temporarily or permanently
1: Yeah. So again i've got two extremes i've got one that hasn't measured performance at all
0: Mm. in
1: their organization before um which is unusual given the industry that they're in because it's all about targets it's about innovation and it's about creativity whereas it's quite difficult to put a measure on that but they they now are asking for a performance appraisal system so that they can then future map their employees and give them the, the development needs that they they require. Mm. Others have said, Do you know what? We've had this form for years. We've used it for years. Natalie, we did want you to work on this, but we've decided: is there another way? Is there another way that we yeah. can make the process less processy and more human? Mm. So they've now they've now got a plan where they're having at the moment virtual coffee mornings on a one-to-one basis. Very much like we are, but yeah, the spirit, yeah, yeah. tea, as we're having this morning.
0: That's the spirit, yeah.
1: That's yeah. it. And they're sitting there and they're having these conversations. And I think with the current climate, people are being more honest because they're not sat face-to-face with their manager. That can be quite a daunting prospect yeah, for some people. Mm. But when we're sat behind a screen, actually we can have these raw and authentic conversations. And some people obviously working at home probably feel a little bit more comfortable with with that. Mm. So I think it does have its benefits to having a system, but at the same time, I think that there is a need for it to be more humanized and for us to have these proper conversations as opposed to, right, let me just note this down, because it's always about the paperwork. And when you start writing things down, people tend to get quite nervous about it. (laughs) And sometimes it's good, obviously, so that you don't forget key points. If you've got people that are saying, you know, I'd really like to do this course. I'd really like to learn about this arm of the business a little bit more. Um, So I think that there's definitely pros and cons to it. But I wouldn't be sat there rigidly taking minutes and saying, oh, can you just hold that thought? Because that can be quite off putting and then it doesn't allow you to have a free flowing conversation.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. We might talk about that a little more after we've finished recording in that case. Uh, I think there's uh, a lot more to go on that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that one of the things that we've seen is uh, is people making more use of check-ins, more use of the constant ongoing one-to-one conversations. I think that's the single biggest change I've seen. Yeah. Um, and that people, yeah, where people have had these, these vastly inflated forms, many, many pages repeating different information that's already captured, Elsewhere in a system, um, people haven't got the time for it. As you as you said earlier on, actually, people are trying to focus on business survival, um, any sales that they can get anywhere, and the thought of actually spending days even filling out these
2: forms just, um, uh, just and, it, and it's questionable, isn't it, whether or not that becomes a barrier to relationship building and trust. Yeah, of course. That's, yeah. that's 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 the yeah you know, that's a that's a challenge. Hey, I just wanted to I wanted to refer to your wonderful blog. By the way, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> and we will we, we will put the the link on the note. So, a couple of blogs. One's a little a wee while ago. Uh, I think it was June two thousand and nineteen. You were talking about that idea of um, fostering, creating an environment of um, you know a positive culture, and most importantly how that could be utilised as a business competitive advantage, so pre-COVID. And then um, I think about a year later in June 2020, you were again, you were referring to that idea of, um, I think the blog's called, it's a time to step up to the challenge. So I, I wanted to ask the question, um, do you see organisations now focusing on that culture? And of those of you who do see that, are they actually starting to say, yeah, we can see the positive effects of this, we can see how it actually does have a a business impact?
1: Yes, definitely. There's definitely been a shift from that first article to to this one. Yeah, Because what we would generally see as our traditional positive environment is obviously very inclusive. It has all of the lovely, wonderful stuff that employees like to see and the leaders of the business see their people happy. That's it in a in a nutshell. Yeah now we're going through these challenges people are handling this situation in very very different ways there are some employees that i speak to that are absolutely terrified to leave their houses Mm. how does the manager manage that and how does the manager make a positive out of that Mm. so taking that example we actually have an opportunity to support people on an individual basis and whilst that sounds quite time consuming In essence, that's going to benefit businesses in the long run because they're not treating people like numbers. They're treating people as humans. Uh In larger businesses, that's obviously very difficult, especially within matrix environments. But when you've got more of the companies that I work with tend to be SMEs. um, So they're up to around 300 employees. So on that sort of a scale, just as long as you have managers strategically placed within the business, there isn't any reason why people can't get to know their people on a lot more personal level. So, yeah. you know, they're just handling it in, in very different ways. And of course, mental health services at the moment are, are very overwhelmed. So some of the things that I've been doing is, um, so when furlough was announced and we were about two months in to, to the furlough process, I actually hosted a number of webinars, um, very much like the talks we're doing today, mm but with with small clusters of employees from one particular organization, because the first thing they said to me is, Natalie, how do we keep our people engaged? How do we keep them as part of the business? How do they feel included and valued? So I said, we can do this managing your mental health whilst on furlough session. So I looked at all of the ways in which we can kind of keep the conversations going, how, yes, business fits into part of it, but you've got this wider picture of people that are lost so how do we then bring them back in and say look we're still here your job is still here you're still valued your role is absolutely necessary because a lot of the things that came out of it was i think they were drawing comparisons at first to the 2008 recession when that really hit yeah. and having gone through that and seen it firsthand myself in a very brutal manner um, I think that I'm able to take lessons from that. You don't realise it at the time, but you take lessons from that and you're like, well, actually, this is the points that I learned from this. And this is how I was feeling. And then I ask the people around me how they're feeling. Once I've done that, then I'm able to produce a piece of work like that, like the furlough, um, looking after mental health whilst on furlough, um, so that organisations can stay relevant and they can help people um on a on a much more you know on a
0: much more human level it's interesting that you mentioned the furlough and uh, looking after people there um where whereabouts are you up to now with your clients are you um still in amongst that survival mode or are they slightly further down the track and are they now planning for the future
1: so again, I've got clusters of of both. So one of my clients, um, one of my larger clients, is all about the future. They've um, been able to secure funding to support their future, and they have big aspirations. They want to make a dent in their industry. They're not playing mm. small anymore. Yeah, and then yeah, and then I've got the other end of the spectrum where people are still fighting for survival. I've had managing directors on the phone to me in tears saying what do I do I physically can't afford the payroll this month and when the furlough scheme ends I have to let key people go that are critical for my business future yeah so it's about exploring different options with them so I mean I've got involved in supporting with ISO audits for example Mm recently um other things such as um you know the SEMLeP grants and all of that stuff so supporting the business cases for that so hr itself for for me has Mm. evolved and it's not only a great opportunity and a lot of people say well natalie how can you teach me resilience Mm. (laughs) and i I find that quite difficult to compartmentalize because I developed my resilience very, very early on in my career, and I didn't realize it at the time. I thought, oh my gosh, this is doomsday. This is the worst thing that can ever happen, and you really over-dramatize things because you think, well, how can I pay the bills? How am I going to, you know, there's so many things that go through your head at, at that point that you forget what these situations are trying to teach you if we were sat still in our careers and comfort zone all the time, it would be one really boring career. Um, But if you are on a roller coaster of a career, like I very much had, (laughs) I have been able to adapt very quickly to situations. I've developed resilience over a sustained period of time. So for a lot of my clients, I am that kind of pillar of stability, really. So I can then go back to them and say, right, this may not be the right option for you. It's your business. However, I've researched this and this is what I think would be a good option and a viable option for your business.
0: Yeah, I, I understand that completely, because at that point of time of crisis, what somebody wants is just some sort of steadying conversation. And uh, yeah, I totally get the fact that, that you're that you're that one, you're that one solid bit of their life and their professional life that actually concerns that conversation. So, uh, yeah, I get that. Um, Natalie I've I've been wanting to ask this question right since we got started I've got to ask you about your book (laughs) so I'm sorry that we're gonna have a real sort of uh, change of tack here from the um, the real nitty-gritty of dealing with furlough and business survival and everything else but we've got to talk about your book because um, well I'm gonna stop there you tell us about your book Natalie what's happening
1: so the book is called launch your HR career it's released in November and I've been writing it pretty much on and off, I would say probably more off than on over the past couple of years. And I was inspired to write the book by my great nan. She always said to me, Natalie, you were meant to write a book. And wow. they, they wanted me to be an English teacher. So I don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> but I um, was inspired by the students actually at um, Aston University in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And I was put on a stage by David Souza, who's the membership director at the CIPD. And he said to me, this time next year, I want you stood on that stage and I want you talking to these students because they could learn a lot from you. And obviously coming from someone like him, I was a little bit starstruck. I still am when I speak to David (laughs) all the time. But he um, he really told me to just go for it. He said, you've got a story. You're relevant to these these people. You've got to share it. So. I stood on the stage and I spoke about my experiences with Woolworths and how we develop resilience, how we find our purpose. Because not all of us find our purpose straight away. For me, it's taken me many years to craft. It's yeah. it's not something that just oh I'm, that's my purpose. <laughs> it doesn't just come out of thin air. Um, and there's a lot of learning that we we do along the way. And I think it's a it's about being patient taking your time and finding the right opportunities because I found that yes whilst I started with a big company I actually really developed my skills in much smaller firms where you do get involved and you have to perform there is no alternative you have to perform so the book in essence is about those experiences when you're you got your head in your hands and you're saying, why am I doing this? It's for people that are very much in that position. So whilst it says launch your HR career, yes, it's there to inspire students, but even more seasoned HR professionals are going to think, do you know what? That's going to help me as well.
0: That sounds um, really great.
1: So, yeah, yeah. it's a, a bit of a, a bit of an <clears throat> overview of what a HR career is actually like rather than what we see it in a traditional sense.
0: Well, that stuff. Natalie, I think it's a real a real niche, and uh, I think that I, I, well, I'd say every week without fail, I see at least one post on social media from somebody reaching out and asking how do they start the, the, a career in HR? How do they get started? Uh, how do you get your first break and everything else? And uh, for all those people that are actually posting those things, or for anybody that sees the post, then in future you'll now be able to refer them to Natalie's book, which there is really cool. So, so just tell me again, November you said for for release.
1: November yes so it's mid-November release date so uh, yes I will pop her I'll pop a link over to you Andy so that you can yeah yeah Yeah.
2: brilliant
0: yeah we're going to put that on the links at the bottom can't wait to do that
2: Um, and it will be available through Amazon just to confirm
1: it will be
2: yeah fantastic hey um, this whole COVID situation we look at it how what do you think the lasting effect of this is going to be this crisis on leadership how do you think that leadership will change
1: I think initially leaders are going to have potentially a knock to their confidence and I think that there's going to be some big learning um, curves for people to get through. There's obviously going to be things that come out from the government that change last minute like we we can see and um, the hate world has had to react and respond to that very, very quickly which is something we're not used to doing. We're normally given a good, you know, 18 months, heads up of to employment law. <laughs> what is that going on? So yes, we're having to react, adapt and respond very quickly. And I think it's very similar for the leaders of, of businesses. Businesses are not going to be run in a traditional sense anymore. There are big companies in London that have said, you know what? We're saving an absolute fortune on this building if we don't have it anymore we're going to have people that, uh, you know, that have these um, uh, traditionally had these trust issues with their employees and micromanagement. Um, so for those that tend have a tendency to do that and like to have that element of control, they're going to feel like a real fish out of water for quite some time because it's beyond their remit of control. You've then got the exact opposite where people have said, do you know what, we are where we are. Let's handle it in the best way that we can. Let's keep hearing to the government advice. Keep calm and carry on. Grab a cup of tea and we'll have a chat kind of scenario. And, um, yeah, so there's going to be changes to, I mean, even physical working environments have changed. One of my clients has completely reshaped and redesigned their offices so that they have very minimal people um, on site at one time. Their shift patterns are coming into play. And they're fully embracing flexible working for the first time. And they said to me, yeah. this is brilliant. Why haven't we done this before? And I'm like, I've been telling you for, <laughs> for yeah, like time yeah. that it's not just an employee benefit, it changes people's lives. And that's, you know, work is something that we do. It's not somewhere we go. And I think people are really taking on that ethos now and saying, do you know what? There's, there's so much more we could do with this. So some are seizing the opportunity some are even diversifying their projects um into yeah. different yeah. industries that they haven't done before so one of the chaps that I go to to business club with he um so I'm a member of my local BNI and he has gone from selling office furniture to PPE
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Well, so, yeah. Just yeah absolutely
1: anything else so yeah, yeah it's, well, it's
0: and that's that's a great that's a great one liner because, of course, he's already got a customer base. He's already got the sales skills. Actually, whether he's selling office furniture or PPE, um, he can still go out and achieve that, can't he? And then he can flip flop back to office furniture if he wants to in the future. So yes. so actually what he's done is just expand his offering, which is a in, in, incredible business move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just want to keep on that focus of business. You've talked um, very openly about a range of challenges that businesses are going through, and especially the business leaders, and your advice that you're giving them about things like um, remote working. Is, is there any other kind of one or two you know sort of key points that you want to leave uh, business owners with, the people that are striving to run the business today, just as a, a couple of key points for them?
1: I think definitely keep your options open is a really really key thing. Don't think that you're limited by your product offering, by um, the employee skill sets that you have, because you may identify that you've got skill sets in that business that you didn't necessarily knew you had. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's a couple of clients that are, are of mine that are changing. So they've said, well, actually, we're going to change our, um, our executive assistant and we're going to have her in more of a facilities management kind of role because, one, she wants to do it and two she's really good at it. we didn't realize so great. there's there's opportunity everywhere we get so caught up in the negativity you know the constant watching of various yep. news channels and it eats away at you yeah and yeah. that's what we can't afford to do right now yes we need to keep up to date with our <laughs> all of the government updates and all of that jazz but at the same time through crisis it always presents opportunity And it's about staying relevant. So what is it that people need? What is it that people want? And ultimately, how can we satisfy that demand?
0: I thought yeah, you're yeah, go good Spice Girls song there with what you need, what you want. I honestly I thought you were coming back round to the beginning. um I was really impressed with that. Then all um, we
1: oh, need is positivity, Andy. That's
0: the spirit. There we go. With <laughs> there that there now, go. we go. There we go. There we go. Well, <laughs> listen, Natalie. We we are approaching the end rapidly. Okay. Um, and I take away from your previous answer, OK, keeping options open. I love the, the the key point there for business leaders. Keep your options open at all times. And I think that, that's a great one. OK, L- let's just let's just get to the point of saying, though, what is your leadership legacy going to be?
1: Um, it's always been to inspire people. I've always been that person that wants to help other people. And sometimes in you know in a traditional sense especially when i started out in in my hr career it was well we don't we don't do that we're here to support and guide we're not here to help and I think that it <laughs> <Wow. laughs>
2: sorry i just struggled with that for a second yeah yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. incredible sorry about that
1: one. <laughs> but 15 15 years ago it yeah. was very, very different. You're here to point people in the direction of the handbook. You're here to point them. You know, yeah. it's a very different sense. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now, HR has fought and fought and fought and said, do you know what? We want that seat at the table. Yes. Once we get that seat, how do we use it in the right way? So things yeah. that I've done outside of, of my clients is things like HR acts of kindness and inspiring people to be kinder in businesses and that's made huge waves I've, I've got like a worldwide audience with that which is really amazing but all of these people that are saying do you know what it's really simple and I've found out things about people that I didn't necessarily know before that's the whole purpose is to motivate and inspire people and I think during times like this people could be put off what I would call a very reactive career which is naturally the HR and finance functions Mm. right now so my message to those sorts of people and especially the themes through the book is look keep going keep trying and the right doors open at the right time for you you could say I want to go and work at this big top four company but actually there's a company down the road that needs your skill set so you may really want to look at that and it's about exploring your options, making sure that you stay motivated and that you, instead of thinking, why is this happening to me? You're sat there thinking, okay, I've got this situation and what is it trying to teach me? It's a very powerful way of looking at things. And that's where the magic happens.
0: And I think that your your legacy there of inspiring others um, and motivating others, I think is there. I think everybody can already see that, Natalie. So I think you've, um, yeah, I can totally see that that's your legacy. We want to give you the option though now of leaving our listeners okay with it's resources
2: uh, time. With, it is. We should have a banner. We should have a, should have
0: a sound time, effect,
2: shouldn't we? Ian? We should.
0: We, we should. We might create a sound effect, especially there after are. this one, Natalie. Say
1: so you need a little trumpet call, don't we you? We
0: do. We do.
2: We you don't. You don't want to hear me playing the trumpets. Don't.
0: Yeah. I mean, you don't want to give a us ideas scoop. about. <laughs> you don't want to give us ideas about what these things are because you'll listen to the next episode and trust me, it will be there. Okay. <laughs>
1: um,
0: But, yeah, we want to give you the opportunity to leave our listeners with some resources. Okay, so uh, what have you got for us, please?
1: Okay, so um, for businesses, I have my company website, which is reboxhr.co.uk, and on there is a helpful blog, um, but also some access to some resources on there as well so Wonderful. if people want to ask me a question directly they can come to me um, via that alternatively if you are someone who is studying who is necessarily lacking in motivation and just needs a bit of a giggle and a pick me up then feel free to head over to my blog which is natalieellishr.com
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. And obviously, you're on LinkedIn um, and we'll we'll post your LinkedIn uh, URL so that people can hopefully connect with you and uh, again, become one of your followers on there as well. And also on Twitter, because you, you're very active on Twitter as well.
1: Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm happy for people to contact me directly. I love having these conversations and helping people um, through some challenging times but also when when people are like Natalie I'm a little bit stuck with this how do I how do I handle this situation so I'm there for everyone and uh yeah so do get in touch and, and
2: the amazing. book mid, mid-November that book is that released right
1: but um, yes that'd be all over LinkedIn and Twitter and everywhere
2: <laughs> oh we can't
0: wait we can't wait to see it right.
2: Natalie really can't
0: um Natalie um that's amazing uh we've we've had such a wide-ranging discussion and I hope that uh whether people are CEOs, CHROs, HRDs, or people are aspirant as to become into those positions. whatever, I hope people just listen to this and actually think that, you know, that there is, there is a lot to take away from what you've talked about and, and actually they can continue reading part of your wisdoms uh, long after this. Uh, so we're really grateful for you for joining us. So thanks very much for yeah, your
1: time.
2: Natalie, thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you both for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: I know, it's been wonderful. Thank you very much. Well, let's wrap up there. I promise we'll put all of those links on at the bottom of the show notes. So um, for everybody out there, please uh, do listen to uh, the next podcast. As I referenced, uh, Mark Samuels coming up as well. That'll be an amazing one. Uh, But for now, thank you very much, Natalie. Uh, That's been Leadership, the Future and T. Goodbye, everybody.
2: Thank you, Natalie. Goodbye, everybody.
1: Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership the future and tea. please take time to like share and subscribe to the podcast. You can also leave us a comment with topics you'd like to hear in the upcoming episodes.